I've got some bad news, folks. Christmas is going to be cancelled. Where's Christmas? Lisa! Where's Christmas? Santa will never find us now. This just in from the Weather Bureau. A severe storm warning is now in effect for the entire mountain region. All roads have been closed until further notice. Oh, no. What about Grandma's? What about Christmas? Welcome back to the pod. It's Princess Jafar. Christmas is canceled, which is perfect because this is Princess Jafar's Christmas is canceled, an extra special podcast dedicated to the made-for-TV holiday specials of your favorite and most forgotten shows. Today, we have an extra special guest and an extra special episode of an extra special show. That, that's right. We have D.S. Kinzel all the way from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, the director, founder, producer behind Boom Concepts. And we have Daryl here to talk to us about an extra special Christmas episode of Eddie Murphy's The PJs. Uh, So we'll be right back to talk about that and so much more after a quick word from our sponsor. from half Fat productions wishing you happy holidays even though christmas is canceled you can still stuff your stockings with a sack full of singles from lynn star quiet cello el bouye and shaki shaki at highfivemusic.co that's dot co while you're there pick up some of our latest merch for yourself or your loved ones we have tees sweatshirts and beanies ready for cold winter nights Baby, pull me close Want nothing in between us Let's join our souls Let's get me And we're back. Christmas is canceled. I'm here with Diaz Kinzel. Hey, Daryl. Yo, 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 yo. Happy Kwanzaa Christmas, Moss. Thank you. I celebrate all of those. Everything. I will be a part of it. That's fine with me. Um, are you celebrating, it sounds like, Christmas and Kwanzaa? Did I'm you... celebrating Christmas, Kwanzaa. And Hanukkah? I celebrated a little bit of Hanukkah. And today is a very special day. It's today, December 21st. Yes. You might have seen online that black I, people got strategic powers today. So that's another thing. I'm That's another um, seasonal holiday I'm celebrating this year. Congratulations. Did anything manifest for you today? Maybe. Maybe. Okay. We'll find out. That's exciting. I always need, I mean, you could be like a great um, adversary 
to the Princess Jafar world once we find out once what your abilities, your secret ability is. You know what's interesting? I feel more of a kinship with Princess Jafar, you know? Oh, when yeah. Growing up, I remember I had this creative writing class and I wrote this story where the bad guy won. So I think that is the reason why I've always felt a true connection and kinship to the princess. I love that. I appreciate that. Yeah, I also was fascinated by the bad guy winning, which happens in Kingpin. Uh, Spoiler alert for anyone who hasn't seen that movie, but I'm pretty sure I think it's Woody Harrelson doesn't win in the end. That's great. I love that as a kid. It fascinated me. Um. But yeah, I could also see us though for real, like that that in this world that you and I are friends, but that our Princess Jafar and like DS don't know who the real thing is, right? Who the, so, who the real real is. Uh-huh. But like we're like working together and then at night we're fighting, which would be fun. Okay. Yeah. So um Daryl, what's going on at Boom Concepts? So just really providing artists opportunity to work on their craft internally and not really center themselves on patrons so much. You know, we've gone inside, internal, inward. So you can say that I can't. I was gonna say not inward, right? <laughs> um, so, you know, it's, it's been really nice. We've turned all of our exhibitions into residencies where artists get some critical feedback, they get some financial support, they get some supply support, amongst other things. Um, we're still trying to figure out how to launch events from the space. So for December 2020, we have Daphna Rehavia, uh, where she's done an installation and we're going to be doing some documentation. And then really, we've just expanded our public art portfolio immensely this year. So, you know, we're moving, we're grooving, making it happen. That's the best answer I've gotten so far. So that's that's wonderful to hear. Um, so are you, um, would you mind letting our listeners know a little bit about Boom? Like, in a nutshell? Boom is a sound. Boom Concepts. Yes, Boom Concepts. Is a creative hub located in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. Pittsburgh, PA. 5139 Penn Avenue, 15224. You can mail us money via the Pony Express. Acceptable. We're, we, um, center, we center all of our work on blackness. We mm-hmm. want to help artists get to the money that's right Help artists get to the money that's the quick and dirty of it and i feel like i would like our listeners to know that you have had a hand in so many of my productions um as a producer as um a all types of things um but especially the princess jafar show and princess jafar tonight the um, talk show and the live sitcom. Um, and and then most recently with 
um, last year's Princess Jafar Hour, we had some fun YouTube guests. We had Jake Yonsei in the building. Um, <laughs> we had Gia Gun up the road. And um, this year, things are different, but I'm still trying to slap your name onto a couple specials before the new year. And hopefully I can get those out in the next like two days. Slap them. Slap them. Yes. <laughs> Well, you know, I just want to say working with the princess has helped my practice as a curator and producer, you know, really challenging me, really expanding my understanding. Uh, you know, one of the most difficult artist statements or artist inquiries I ever had to write was about Princess Jafar and the Princess Jafar show. So, you know, I want to give you some love too, baby. Thank you. Love you so much. And I love your uh, whole household. Love to your uh, beautiful, vocally gifted angel of a wife, and Quinique Wingfield, and your lovely daughter, whose name we don't have to say, because whatever. Well, Christmas is not canceled around here because I went to get some Christmas Kwanzaa gifts for the wife and child today. So Christmas is not canceled here, but I think everywhere else, Christmas should be canceled. Yeah, Christmas should definitely be canceled. Um, I ordered myself this little ceramic figure that I've wanted my whole life because I finally found it for pretty cheap. Um, we'll see if it ever comes because, you know, everything is held up at the post office, but whatever. I don't need it. So Daryl, I um, asked you to come on this podcast and talk about an episode and from the list, you gravitated toward the PJs. Which I'm so happy you did. Um, this Did you watch the show when it ran? Yes. So I watched this show when it ran. I was obviously much younger. Mm -hmm. Or maybe I was older, depending on the space-time continuum and my magical right. Black person powers. <laughs> yes. But, you know, in re-watching it, I was really taken aback by how bold and outrageous this claymation show was. And, um, you know, thinking, I think it had like a three season run or something. So it was, it, I was like, wow, they really had this under the radar and was able to get some shit on air. I think it was on Fox or some shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, um, watch this as it ran as well it was funny at the time and re-watching it it's even more biting than i remember really which is great because a lot of the shows don't really have a lot of rewatchability that we review here uh but this one was fun it was also kind of heartbreaking a lot of the episode was heartbreaking and like just some of the um joke structures themselves like the it's just like pretty tragic well, what you see in this show, and particularly in this episode, is something that Black people and oppressed people, minorities, have had to do as a coping mechanism. It's like a bunch of jokes that make you laugh to keep from crying. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. You know, so there are a lot of like really serious issues. Um, based on the environment, based on employability, based on social conditions in that neighborhood. And it, it's written so well. And the cast is amazing. You know, 
it's written so well because you got folks like Eddie Murphy and Larry Whitman were on this. These right. two just like legends, you know. So and Larry's yeah. brother Mark. Yep, yep. So there's just so much talent on here. It's so smart. It's biting, mm-hmm. and it has that rewatchability, and it has a lot of laugh to keep from crying moments that are fucking hilarious. Yes. Um, it's. I don't. I don't think if this show ran today, it would be. Well, I don't know. I feel like more and more we just don't see lower class families on TV at all. Um, and I think in black and white shows, it's all severely upper upper class. Like if you think about Modern Family, or even a lot of like, um, I'm thinking like this isn't new anymore. But like my wife and kids, they're like he runs like a whole trucking line and like um, or the Tyler Perry shows, even if they might have like a money struggle in the episode, it's only for the episode and they're not really suffering. Their house is nice. Like, you know, so I don't know if we really see this kind of condition anymore on TV. Yeah. Something that I'm always interested in is like the homes in Mm -hmm. TV, you know, what are the homes? What does the bedroom look like? What are the sizes? in comparison to the ages and what these people do. So you're right, you know, oftentimes there's really no explanation or there's such a large gap in the reality of what we know, Mm -hmm. how much you have to spend on your housing costs, your food costs, and the relation to the scenes and backgrounds on television. And I think, um, you know, with this show that was effectively done because with animation or claymation when you're not using human actors i think you can get closer to some more difficult subjects you know you tend to see animation in different capacities taking on adult themes and that's really true here and this is one of the few cases you know you see american american dad or uh what's the country hillbilly dude king of the hill or the simpsons you know these are all white um lower middle class or lower class existences in animation uh pj's is one of the few black depictions and also there's like a really specific location piece with it being in the projects Mm -hmm. right um i want to so this show, the PJs, um, it's yeah, it's basically just the lives of the occupants of this uh, inner city housing project. Um, it ran from 1999 to 2001, and I I like when I listen to it without watching it, I can hear Eddie Murphy's voice. But when I watch it, I cannot hear Eddie Murphy. If that makes sense, the character Thurgood is Thurgood. Yep. Yep, he's really overpowering the main character. Uh, he's the superintendent for uh, the project housing complex. I don't know where this is set. I had difficulty understanding that. I just yeah. assumed it was Chicago based on um, kind of like the height of the structures. Mm-hmm. But I was really uncertain. It had a relatability for any project, especially based on the characters that were present. Right. You know? So that was something that was really interesting for me. Um, you know, it was also depicting uh, a, a married couple at the, mm-hmm. at the center, a black married couple at the center of the uh, of the episode and of the series as well. So you know, there are a lot of really 
um, unique for television, but not mm -hmm. unique for black existence. Yeah. And you have to wonder, you know, was the only reason why they were able to showcase this and even like the character being an elder, you know, he's like mm -hmm. a, a middle-aged man or older middle-aged man. Salt and pepper hair. Salt and pepper hair, mm -hmm. you know, kind of pers uh, persnickety or grumpy. Mm -hmm. It's like, oh, would this have been able to be aired with real black people and not a claymation? You know, that's that was yeah. the draw. Right. But I think, you know, similar pilots have probably been written dep depicting a similar class mm -hmm. or even just based on the location. And, you know, I wonder if any black actors would have gotten that opportunity. So they were very clever and slick and mm -hmm. using claymation to put together such an amazing cast. And this is right at the height of Eddie Murphy's um, incredibly lucrative and like uh, stellar career. I don't know how to, I don't know how to stress it enough for the audience, like how big Eddie Murphy was at this time after a couple nutty professors, everything he had done in the eighties was one thing, but then he really killed the nineties as well. So to use his moment to do this show is interesting. Um, I also like that the old elder couple is they don't have kids. I don't think I feel like they would have been mentioned, especially yeah. in the Christmas episode. Yeah. Um, that, that's kind of um, radical for the time, as we say on this podcast. Radical. And about the location, I really want to say it is like the Cabrini Green Chicago thing, but there's such a New York vibe to it that I just want to put it in New York. Oh, um, yep. But maybe it's both. It probably is a combination yeah. of several. And if you think of some of the, the voice actors here, you know, I'm just looking it up. It's Janet Dubois, Loretta Devine, uh, Pepe Cerny, uh, Jennifer Lewis, who is just like an absolute legend. So again, you know, it's like you have Larry Whitmore, Mark Whitmore, mm -hmm. um, and you know, Murphy, I and see um, Cassie Davis. Yep. And she is from the Tyler Perry. Um, is a House of Pain that she's from, I think. Or is it another one? I don't know. But she's one of the ones we were talking about earlier where it's like they're not struggling as much as they could be yep, in yep, these ones. Yep. So, you know, it was just good to revisit this. And let's see, like, two, you said 99 to 2001? Yeah. Um, you mentioned... Okay, yeah. I was, in middle, I was in middle school, so that makes total sense. Yeah. Yeah, well, this shit was fucking hilarious. I was in, when I was in high school, it was um, Bernie Mac and um, the um, Cedric the Entertainer show on Fox. It was like a his improv show. Yep. Um, were what what we kind of switched into after this. I wanted to say about Janet Dubois. It's so nice hearing um, the aunt from Family Matters voice. Like <laughs> she's got such a wonderful voice and she's playing one second i don't want to get this wrong i can never remember this lady's name the old lady from um uh everything one second two two seven okay helen martin yeah but it's like you're saying it's bringing these voices that you know as tv black <laughs> family members you know, representing them in these super abstract and farcical characters um, that represent, you know, different archetypes from the hood. And it's just such a great 
um, just mashup of all of these beautiful things. And then the, I think the claymation itself, like when I was watching the claymation, I knew it was old, but it didn't necessarily feel like Gumby. Mm -hmm. um, also don't really see, I, I guess kind of just like the 3D modern animation is like the evolution of that the traditional like Walt Disney 2D style mm -hmm. and the Gumby 3D stop motion, you know? So it's like, I knew it was old. The clay had that um, touched look to it as opposed to a more sculpted look to it. Mm -hmm. But I really still enjoyed it. And they, and they even play, I think they played up a lot of things that made the aesthetic something really unique not only for the times but you know when you're looking back upon the pjs yeah i love the idea of this all this time being spent on little black figurines and like these different um narratives just because there's so much time and energy that goes into stop motion and claymation work so it's just it's fun to to see a to see a refreshed subject matter in it because um we've seen it a hundred times and gumby's really lame if you rewatch gumby it doesn't really have a rewatchability right. great for visuals though but don't try to follow the story mm -hmm. um okay well we'll take a quick break after a word from our sponsor and we we'll right back to talk more with daryl about art and the pjs on princess jafar's christmas is cancelled Celebrate the holidays all year round with Princess Jafar's Not Another Christmas Song, a six-track EP available today on Bandcamp, featuring songs from Rubber and many more, including the hot track Christmas is Cancelled podcast jingle. Get yours today. So my favorite shit on the show, on the PJ shit, it was like, he was the repo man. And they were like, instead of saying like, we've been robbed, they said we've been repoed. Yo, the guy talks about he was going to spend the money, I think it was like to get his um, his family member out of jail, like out of a Cuban jail, out of a foreign jail. Did you peep that part? Yes. Uh -huh. And they were like, don't be selfish. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I just want to touch on some, some of those pieces. Yeah, well, let's jump into the episode. Okay, so the episode starts with a great theme song. Once upon a time in the projects. I love the part where they say homeboy in a homemade bungalow. It's just fun. The song just really has a great vibe, good energy. 
um, living in the PJs. Which is the wait, wait, before we go into this, have you ever lived in the projects? This is like a key question in relation to this show. I have not lived in the projects. Okay. I have not. I, I have lived in the projects. What, like, years? Yo, what years was it? It was like from birth to like five or six or some shit like that. You know what I'm saying? Then we moved. Um, and yeah, so I have like my origins are in the projects. You know what I mean? And the project that I grew up in, it did have a magical feel like the PJs. And there was like a fucking farm. Um, not cows and chickens and shit, mm-hmm. but like where there was food being grown in the projects, you know? So it, yeah. just, like, it was it, just like this PJ depicts a magical place. Like even as that young and like even listening to my family, you know, in my experience, like in, leave, in living adjacent to the projects, it's like that shit is very magical. And I think they really did a great job of capturing this. That's, I, I would... I would assume that that's rare that the projects are captured in a magical loving way. I f- feel like um good times was in the projects and that had it was just a normal apartment. It wasn't uh is that a in a apartment in the sky? That's Jefferson. That that's Jefferson. That's yeah, uh-huh. Oh, that's the that's the spin-off. Yes, yeah, maybe it was. I don't know if it was the project. I, th- I think it it might have just been just some like a type poor of neighborhood. poor neighborhood. But yeah. um, besides that, I'm thinking like Candyman, where they paint the projects as magical in a scary, haunted, terrifying way. Yeah. Um. So yeah, so this is special in that way that it paints it magically. Um. Uh, so yeah, I did not grow up in the projects. I just grew up in an empty farmhouse in the middle of nowhere. So it was just like TV and that's it. So not like, not the same at all, but we had like boxes of cereal, frozen lasagnas, me and my sister and five channels on TV, but one of them was Fox. So I got to see a lot of this, this great stuff. And then actually this is so, um, like uh disconnected but um i did read a couple um like first person accounts of um life in the projects if that makes sense like one book was called there was no no fucking sense what the fuck are you talking about i read i read books i basically that were called like there is no children here it was like it was like 10 years of living in like the Chicago projects and like 10 years in like New York and things like that. Oh, First, like, firsthand accounts. Like street novels. Nonfiction. Nonfiction. Uh-huh. So it was like from people who lived there. Interesting. Yeah. Once upon a time in the projects. <laughs> but I mean, you know, they weren't, they were all very, uh, there wasn't the magic, I guess I'll say. There's always myth. Always myth. Always myth. Uh, you you were the one who told me to get on to HR Puffin stuff. 
and Sid and Marty Croft. Well, you know, I heard of it, but I was actually, I just really never saw it. Never really tried to. Um, but recently I saw Sid and Marty Croft. I don't know which one. I think Marty um, talking with Pee Wee Herman on Instagram live. So it was just a beautiful little moment. Um, Whoa. So did you, do you think you saw HR Puffin stuff like around that same time that you were in? And was it the projects of Pittsburgh? No, yeah. Projects of Pittsburgh. No, I saw HR Puffin stuff when I lived in a house outside of, you know, it's like uh, government housing, you know, subsidized government housing. But my father who did live in the projects is who put me on HR Puffin stuff. You know, and I also remember watching the PJs with my father. You know what I mean? It's like, mm -hmm. it was really something like that fucking show was really something or I felt like black families could watch together and have a laugh. It was like the Simpsons for black families, dog, but it was a little more effective. Mm -hmm. Jokes, definitely. I mean, you know, it's like, Jokes within black culture are more widely known. You know, you think about the um, just even the uh, advancement and influence of AAVE as like a vocal style, mm -hmm. you know, or you even speak about like you reading uh, like autobiographies, basically, of people who grew up in the hood, you know? Right. It's just like back then when the pjs was on like a lot of these jokes weren't widely known you know mm -hmm. so i'm even thinking about like how how they even got the script like past big time execs because they were probably like having to over explain the jokes or eddie murphy um and the writing squad just had so much juice you know that it was like hey it was like a for us by us product and that's what it really felt like yeah, you know, there was and there was no needing to explain a lot of the jokes mm -hmm. in the PJs because it just felt like they were talking and speaking directly to black community. Right. It didn't translate. It didn't translate. If you didn't have a relationship to the content, to the jokes, to the legacy, to the history, then you just missed out and maybe you didn't watch the show. Right. Right. I also had a different way into that. Uh experience and that's because when we were well all through the all through my childhood my dad's hole in the wall restaurant was in east cleveland so we spent every weekend from open till close just hanging out like in the little plaza um so and that was like basically all of my elementary school and high school experience but um so that like proximity um, led me to picking a lot of black shows on TV in the 90s. Um, I just, well, because a lot of my friends on the weekends were watching those shows. So I wanted to like keep up with it. Um, and they were just basically, they were a lot more interesting and they were edgier and they felt cooler to watch just because they were then like the uh, alternative which was like felicity and dawson's creek which i was also watching but that's so interesting to me uh, you know there's other uh either like white adjacent or white 
creatives talk about that you know specifically like bill simmons talks about that in sports a lot and in tv shows you know like he just loved like black culture mm -hmm. to a certain degree so it's like it's really interesting you know to me it's not even like loving black culture or, or maybe like those shows feeling cooler or better it's right. just like you know that is actually popular american culture right which is like that's what that's what pop art and popular culture really is you know it's like felicity is actually lowbrow mm -hmm. and the pjs is like highbrow american culture and fine art right and popular fucking art i will tell you this and i will probably definitely edit this out of the episode but as like a six-year-old, I bought a dashiki hat from a market because um, Leon from the Puzzle Place had one. And I thought it was so beautiful. Like I oh, loved it. Shit. So I got one. I had, I had money somehow and I bought it and I wore it probably, I wore it for like probably the whole summer. Really? But this is like 1994. So it's a different... <laughs> Yeah. No one would even consider telling me not to wear it or anything like that. But no. Yeah. And I also like I also uh, uh, right. <laughs> um, so it's like the puzzle. So the character, the black character mm -hmm. on the kids show, right? And yeah. and your version of popular culture, which is kids TV, right, has certain aesthetic, like a visual aesthetic. And you like, yo, I can't be black, but I can get to that fucking dashiki. And you know I mean, I also had the Dwayne Wayne flip up, flip up glasses, glasses too. So I had both which, of those. But which, like, the glasses, and that's interesting too, because it's like the hat pattern is not black, like the hat itself, the fabric and the pattern mm -hmm. of the fabric is black. Right. The flip up glasses are not a black invention. Like it's not a black inventor that no. did those glasses. But but like popularized by so popularized yeah. by uh -huh. right. Not even like a real person. This character, in, right? This character in popular culture. So it's just like yo, that like really shows you the influence and strength of black people which is like american popular culture yes and our biggest export whether that be domestically to our citizens or our motherfucking people who live in the land because i don't want to mm -hmm. get into the politicized mm -hmm. nature of citizens you know what i mean just like mm -hmm. whether it be to motherfuckers domestically or to an international audience right we, you represent you know what i mean your heritage represents both Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, and th there needs to be an equal payout for all of the contributions. Um, because especially, as you know, you've hosted me several times and my uh, pop culture bazaar, which is filled with pop culture media. Um, but I collect mostly late 80s and 90s. Um, and the best parts of the 80s and 90s pretty much exclusively come from black creators um, and firms or maybe some white companies that we didn't really realize that were creating black content or something because 90s were weird but either way 
after collecting these things for a few that's years, not, that's had, not here. That's like common stance. But go ahead. After oh yeah, things. Um, I I started to realize. Um, well, I quickly had the rule that like white kids couldn't be buying up the black artifacts from the nineties, and like I I had someone sitting at my booth once who sold a living single hat to some random white boy at a show. And I like almost chewed him out for it. But instead I was like, that's my mistake for ever leaving my booth with anyone, I guess. Like, but um, so, and then like, I had a bunch of like paraphernalia ephemera that I passed on to um, what's their, what's their, um, on to what's the place across the street from you called senseless senseless so i um passed all this like all this media on to senseless a black owned pop culture store um so that they could profit off of it more than you know anyone else could um and yeah it's something that i comment on a lot of instagram pages um when i see best of 80s best of 90s and it's almost completely white it's like how are you going to have a best of 80s or 90s page without black faces black creatives it's just like i don't even know or like when you go to 80s night and it's come on eileen and it's they play one song from prince and one song from whitney houston and it's like you're like what pointer sisters like anyone like what are you doing yeah well you know it's like even i mean you found a lot of those things you said from the past like still happen today right a lot of the pages that might be critiquing or taking advantage of instances within black culture you know are run by white creatives um you Mm -hmm. see like a lot of black creatives you know running popular culture which happens to be internet culture today and it's just you know that's just the history of this country you know what are we doing to like rather uplift and mm-hmm. not make the, the same mistakes of the past so you know in relation to like the pjs and shit it's like what and i'm not even familiar because i don't man it's like crazy like i don't even be watching tv no more yeah. So when you invited me, I was like, oh, shit, like, what did I used to watch back in the day? Mm-hmm. You know, like that list is a good kind of harken and, and, and throwback to all this shit. So like when I peeped it, I was just like, yo, that's something that I kind of forgot about. Mm-hmm. Like, and then, you know, like you saying your intro, that's something I definitely forgot about. But also just wanted to be like, yo, this is something that I felt super familiar and comfortable so I can like get in easy, get in early and just roll out with it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, exactly. Um, and yeah, I thought it would be a good conversation starter for a lot of, a lot of topics. Um, yeah, well, let's take a quick break and we'll come back with more DS Kinzel of Boom Concepts and the PJ's Christmas special.
celebrate the holidays all year round with Princess Jafar's Not Another Christmas Song, a six-track EP available today on Bandcamp, featuring songs from Rubber and many more, including the hot track Christmas is Cancelled podcast jingle. Get yours today. You gonna be a bitch and take out the part that you be wearing? You was wearing a kufi or no? That was wearing what? Oh no! I think the conversation after it was was good for it. Yeah, and I was sick, so I was like, "Who's gonna cancel me for buying a hat at a market?" Like, it was definitely. I remember it was an outdoor. It was probably um, West Side Market in Cleveland. Oh. There was just st- stands everywhere. Kind of like the strip district. Okay. And you bought a. A um, what's it called? I don't know. I thought it was called a dashiki hat, but like I don't know. It's like the, the I know, hat, but yeah, but the hat on all the memes, you know, with the yeah. cyclops eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I wish I had a picture of it, and it, but luckily I don't. Uh, <laughs> but you remember that shit. I have one of those memories where I kind of don't forget anything. Yep. Yeah, so oh, that's yeah, because the thing about my memory is I don't just remember the thing. I remember like my reasoning behind it. I remember like what the episode that I was like, oh, I want that hat too. Like, um, so <laughs> man, that is like super influential. Yeah, um, but I mean my. My whole family is like very close to. So my dad's been working in East Cleveland um, since 1990, 1990, which means like all of his employees, all of his friends in the plaza have all 95% been black families. So like the last Thanksgiving I was at with my family was like, um, the the Fakadus who are an Ethiopian family and like there's like 12 of us you know it's just like a it's an experience that's very like it it's gives, real it's real American shit that's yeah. like real that's like real live good positive like that's like real American shit you know what I'm saying yeah like, it, it makes sense building. yeah because I know that there's like a really bad stereotype though for the Greek or Arab restaurateur like in the hood. Um, and like, I hope that my dad's restaurant wasn't, didn't live up to those negative stereotypes. And I don't think it did, but um, it's still like, you know, it's basically like, you know, the hook fish and chickens. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah. That's basically what my dad's restaurant was like. Yeah. You go in there and there's like two Arab guys, but they have like all that food. Yeah. But um, it was like a way worse way. Sh- not the food. The food is great. But like the actual quality of the restaurant was shitty. Like, oh my gosh, we need to leave here in five minutes. Like, um, and that, you know, that's just the reality of it. Um, I was, I always liked it as a kid to be there. Like um, it was really, it was weird though, because like he would he didn't shop or anything people would come into the restaurant 
with presumably stolen goods and they would say like hey joe can i either like get 20 dollars for this or can i get like 12 pieces of chicken for this and he would usually say yes so he would come home and that would be what our gifts would be for christmas it's like whatever was brought into the store so <laughs> it's a crapshoot but that's how i got my first like he gave us he came home with like tupac cds and jay-z and like um a lot of bone thugs because it was cleveland yeah and and that's like i don't you know he i don't know he liked it he would like play in the car like he loved he loved a lot of it but um so it's a interesting um entry point into that world it's not one that i share often pop culture doc yeah and you can see i'm obsessed with pop culture so it's really hard to be obsessed with pop culture and then to not like get into black media at all it's like it's the creme de la creme now how do we keep this media into like in the hands and in the um how do we keep black people at the forefront of it and the authorities of it um and that's by having people on podcasts and and you know not just including people in the narrative but helping create it yeah so um uh are you we're back and we're back and we're back and we're back (laughs) and we're back and we're back all right so we're back and we have an episode to talk about we haven't talked about it at all um the episode starts with that beautiful theme song but then it jumps in we get a nice single snowflake falling on a yellow spot in the snow and we get um what's his name mr walter or something like that um he is the um parole officer who used to be a cop and like everyone in this town has an arrangement with him where like they either he's either blackmailing them or like they were his informant or something like that but no one really has a good relationship with this guy and he is beating down some young kid for snitching for stealing a purse on Christmas Eve and or on Christmas. And he says it's just another cold day. And he said that's like saying that head cheese is just another cold cut. Um ah! <laughs> and I like that one. <laughs> but um so then he slams him in his trunk and but isn't oh, there the like a, isn't there like carol caroling and people are like shut up and they're like ah and then there's like gunshots and they're like ah yeah okay so there's carolers and they're ironically singing silent night but there's gunshots going out and then the um the what's it called SWAT team shines a, a light on them and we yep. find out that it Copper. is with the helicopter the helicopter we find out that Helen Martin character that's what I'll call her from <laughs> 227. Um, she uh, is the one who called the police and they appreciate it. Um, Which, yo, the ladies in my neighborhood like are on the same shit. So when I was watching it, I was like, oh shit, I know some old ladies in my neighborhood right now who are like, I want the cops to shake motherfuckers down in the summertime or like I want the SWAT team to come. You know right. what I mean? So it's interesting that that archetype was like real 
And as an adult, I recognized it immediately. Um, and yeah, that's because the older generations often can't help but trust the cops still for some strange reason. But yeah. Um, so then we are in Thurgood and um, Muriel's apartment. And um, she says, those lights look pretty old. They're probably a fire risk. So he says, don't worry, I'll just sprinkle some asbestos on the tree. Hits the roof and beautiful asbestos falls um, like a little snow. Tree. He says, I'll flock the tree with asbestos. <laughs> yes. Uh, which is a pretty dark joke. Um, but I like how you mentioned The Simpsons earlier. Yeah, it's like, as far as satire goes, I would say that this show... Okay, so the Simpsons can't dive that deep into black culture because they don't have any black main characters. So they can only do superficial jokes. Um, and that's why it's so important. And then like the Cleveland show has no black writers on the cast. So that we can't even talk about that. That's not even an example of black culture in any way, I don't think. Because how can that be? I don't know, maybe I'm wrong, but I mean, they're also not voiced by black people either. So I don't like the Cleveland show. <laughs> I mean, yo, one of the Larry Whitmore went, I think he hosted like the president comedy show or whatever the fuck when Obama was in. Like, think about the level of right alongside Eddie Murphy. You know, what I mean, like, think about the level of writing and intelligence and like just delivery that that is. So just like, oh, I'm going to like he like the flocking. I'm going to flock <laughs> this tree with asbestos, like talking about living conditions. talking about that laugh to keep from crying moment and it's like those hits just keep coming over and over and over and over again throughout the episode yeah they really do um they muriel who is loretta divine i'm pretty sure um who is just an angel her voice is perfect for this role um and she wants a christmas she wants a a computer for christmas um which is pretty forward for that time yeah, we'll say radical for the time, just so we yeah. get that sound bite. Um, and uh, yeah, it is. And yeah, she's like a single, I'm not single, she's married, but she doesn't have kids and she wants a computer. Um, so he goes, of course, to the pawn shop um, to get a computer. And when what he's you, there, you see the you see the vibrant businesses in this neighborhood like you when as he's going around you see so it's like the pawn shop is really like the mini mall mm-hmm. right I, on first watch i thought we were in a mall second time around i was like oh this sequence was in the same pawn shop yeah and that's where santa claus is um santa claus is in the pawn shop and you get a gift from him if you steal something probably from your parents like a phone or a watch or something no, in exchange no, if, no, if, no it's not about thievery it's like if you have collateral oh collateral. that's all like, okay because the kid yeah, had a phone teaching, so i was like yeah yeah teaching you the policy of the pawn shop from a young age yeah it's predatory it's predatory lending practices and financial misinformation and that is essential to keeping people poor. So, yep. yes. Um, and while we're in the pawn shop, the I'm pretty sure the undercover cop or the um, parole officer character is the one who unloads a bunch of stuff, which I'm pretty sure means that he's just taking from the people he's busting. Yeah, he's just shaking it down. Yep. 
Um, and then he tells uh, Thurgood not to get Muriel a computer, get her something feminine and soft, like a Glock 9. Which the is baby, the baby, like the baby Glock. <laughs> so cute. Um, and then so the computer is $500 in this pawn shop. I'm really glad that the crux of this episode wasn't that he got a shitty computer. That was my fear. I was like, he's going to buy this computer and it's not going to even work. But that did not happen in this episode. The crux of this episode was him trying to get $500, which is like a magic sitcom number, $500 to get your thing. So he tries to collect tips from his tenants um, and that's not going to happen. No, 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 no. He gives them tip <laughs> envelopes, which is some shit I've never heard of some from. <laughs> I was like, okay. And you, and you meet the different characters in his in his life. It's like a, a, a review of the season almost, it feels like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and definitely you can see all the different um, characters in the building. Um, and he gets to make some jokes, which makes him funnier than Chris Rock, which I think is funny that Eddie Murphy says that line. Yeah, Chris Rock my ass. Yeah, <laughs> um, I'm sure he enjoyed that. It's so funny that like now Eddie Murphy's most famous role is like Donkey from Shrek. It's so weird that after 30 years of making blockbuster movies, you can be refined to like one animated sidekick. Um, and I don't mean his best. I just mean that like his most successful probably would have to be Shrek. Um, but yeah. Okay. So for, for, for the youngins who, who don't know who Eddie Murphy is, he's your, he's your noble steed. Um, so what he has to do basically is he has to go back to the pawn shop and beg uh, for this computer. And they have a better idea. They say, why don't you become our repo man since you oh, have wait, wait. the building? Wait, wait. He doesn't beg. He doesn't beg. He's trying to negotiate. He says, please, 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 please. Yeah, he's negotiating that shit. You know what I mean? He has no fucking honor. <laughs> and then they're like, you can work for us in exchange yeah. for the computer. And I think it's, um, I love that, like, the whole reason that all this is happening is because he really wants to give his wife what she wants. The dude has a Fez hat. What is the implication of that? That there's some kind of Arab. Thank you. Mm -hmm. Okay. Yeah. Lending and something. Okay. I think they, I think they probably just didn't want to make the character Jewish. This Oh, because that would be like anti-Jewish, you know, and it's like a hot like yeah. Hanukkah. So they probably just went, like, okay, let's just go to Arab. And they didn't say any Arab. They just said like, they make fun Shriners. of Shriners. Yeah, they met. I was like, what? I was like, that Fez is an implication of some shit. And I can't, I can't get it because I'm too young. So that was one piece. And then he kept making fun of his last name. It's like, it's, it's he's obviously not a black person. And there's not like this black and brown or POC language or identification, although there is like definite proximity and some sort of relationship, even though, you know, the person who has the more closer proximity to whiteness mm -hmm. has the predatory relationship onto the black person. Predatory, also possibly sexually predatory as well. Because he says, Mr. Stubbs, you are delicious. Um, so ah! I, I picked up on that. I don't know. Thurgood also mentions it. He's like, oh, I'm too delicious. I'm just too damn delicious. <laughs> I missed that 
good one. <laughs> yeah. Um, so um, he does a quick round of repos from the building, gets a bunch of things, uh, including the wheelchair from someone who needs it. And um, someone who's on an oxygen tank. Yes. He wait. Terrible. My shit. He's he's down the building steps while he's repoing shit. He's what? Not as the he take he's like take somebody's skis. Oh yeah. And he skis down the steps as part of this scene where he's like repoing different apartments. And I think that is the greatest amazing most beautiful shit that they did there like they do the the extensions of this is a cartoon mm-hmm. while having some very real experiences experiences here yes it's um is this the part where he becomes the grinch i think or is that like later okay yeah. okay okay um let's see uh okay so at the same time, the tenants are raising money, but we don't really know for what. I guess we think it's for the Christmas pageant. Um, and that's where um, the um, person played by Pepe Cerno, I think, says that he's trying to raise money for his friend in a Cuban jail. Uh, and they tell him, no, don't, don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. <laughs> yeah. Um, so is, he um, sees it. Oh, go is ahead. That shit called, is that shit called Toys in the Hood? Toys in the Hood. Yeah, that's what it was. Uh-huh. <laughs> Um, oh, and the um, housing and urban development building said from from manger to to grave. I think it said. And in the party at the office party at the HUD office, they're getting freaky in the office in the back office. Did you peek that? Oh yeah, uh huh. That office canoodling. Yes, yes. It looks like a fun party. I'd try to go back there too. Um, COVID, there's no office. There's no canoodling at the office party during COVID. I know. Oh my God. I was just, Oh, I was actually editing you because I um, edited a video for the children's museum and the boom uh, puppet slam was a huge part of that. Um, And, but they were giving me all this old footage to edit and it's so sad to see because it's like a 1200 kids like all in the same room and i'm like this is useless footage because like this reality doesn't exist and putting it in this video would be really sad um so because the COVID. thanks to covid <laughs> um oh yeah one of the um tenants probably has covid um coughs on him uh okay so <laughs> um yeah they do a really good grinch song um uh, it's very yes. close. You get this yes. slippery snake like action. <laughs> You're a bastard, Mr. Stubbs. You really are a tom. You stole your friend's possessions to buy a CD ROM, Mr. Stubbs. Your current address is at www. BadOdor.com <laughs> But Santa, why are you taking our fish tank? Why? Now that old dirty bastard was as smart as they get. He thought up a lie, and quickly, you bet.
Phantom Menace is the best Star Wars yet. <laughs> You're a biatch, Mr. Stubbs. Your heart's an open sore. Between you and Jar Jar Binks, Misa say I like him more, Mr. Stubbs. Mr. Stubbs. Why you must have purchased your morals at the 99 cents Okay, yeah, the, the lyrics are really good. And he has two um, jokes against Phantom Menace in this, which really tells you what the time period is. Star yeah. Wars 1 just came out. <laughs> and um, yeah, they, they hate on Jar Jar Binks and Phantom Menace, which is too bad because Jar Jar Binks needs a break. Well, wait, though. That's like the Jar Jar Binks thing is interesting because it's supposedly like a representation of blackface and kind of like Sambo-ish behavior. Yes. You know, so to have it like really brought up in this super authentic black space mm-hmm. within pop culture. And that's also like an animation is really interesting. It is. Um, and also he says to the child, like, Phantom Menace is the best Star Wars ever. And then runs. Is that the, is that the other? Yeah, that's the other one. Yeah. yeah, yeah, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and one second. But the thing about Jar Jar Banks is that he's played by Ahmed Best, um, who's a who's a black actor. I know, yeah. Yeah, and um he okay, because the technology was so new that uh it was like it was invented for Ahmed Best's body. And so like because of that, because Jar Jar Banks was like the first character of this kind all following computer like designed characters i don't know how to say this exactly um have ahmed's um like dna in them so because they were designed around him so pretty much all um of those little tennis ball type um computer animated characters uh have uh, mr best's um fingerprint in them which means all like the, he's like the Henrietta Lacks of computer animation. Exactly. Whoa. So there we go. Little, little justice for Jar Jar moment. Yeah. He, he gets all the, everything from everybody um, during the, um, and he does it during the Christmas pageant, um, which is where we get the, Beautiful line from the Haitian tenant um, that they've been repoed. I think she's the one that says we've been repoed. She says, yeah, she says we've been repoed instead of we've been robbed. Um, Someone says some shit like that's the last time I'll rent everything I own or some shit like that. I'm just like, whoa, that's a reality. But there really is no other option. It's, it's yeah, it's predatory. He's also like dressed up as Santa Claus during this time. Yes, he's dressed as Santa Claus, super, which is great because we love when a character gets dressed up like Santa Claus. It's a perfect moment for this kind of show. Um, but yeah, he's robbing them or he's repoing them blind. Repo. 
Um, but they surprise him with, because they don't know that he repelled them. Um, so they surprise him with a massage chair and he gets the money for his computer for his wife and so they have a computer and a massage chair no one else in the building has anything so um he's actually crying about this which is i think radical for the time to show a man crying on tv like what um and he sells his chair to the dude um i'm bracket to, I thought it was to like a dealer. No, I'm pretty sure that's a crackhead. Okay. Okay. Oh, a reoccurring crackhead. The well, okay, right. Well, I, there's two. Are you confusing two characters though? I think. Maybe. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because there's this character that he doesn't have a lot of time in this episode. Um, who buys the chair from him? I think he's like a dealer more than because I don't know who else would have like cash at hand. But he's sitting in the chair at the end? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, I feel like that's a crackhead. Let me see. Well, whatever. I'll trust. Take your word for it. But um <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Um so he sells his chair to buy back the presents from the pawn shop to give them to the tenants. Um does Muriel have to sell her computer too? Or what? She could keep it? I can't remember. Me neither. Comment below. Let us know <laughs> on this amazing recap show. We are all about details. Um, but yeah, he went from Grinch to Santa and he says, oh, so now he has all the presents. He says, Smokey with your eyes so red, won't you help me drive my sled? Which yeah, is that's a crack here. That's, that's different though. That's different than the guy that Bought the chair. Oh, that bought the chair. Okay. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> um. So he gives him the rope to pull the um sleigh, and he puts it around his arm in a tragic uh intravenous drug use joke. Um. But oh, but wait. Yeah, wait. Because she he she catches him taking the computer wrapped up back out the apartment. So I think he does have to return that as well. Okay. Um. So then we get some jail stories. Well, the, the start of it, almost. Um, and... Okay, he's returning the presents, and he returns a bicycle, a PlayStation, and a soul-capturing device, which is a Polaroid camera. I That's like that little crazy. joke. <laughs> That's fucking... Ayo, that is a radical joke to have on television. To have an elder black woman say that on television is a radical joke. That shit was radical. I was like, whoa. I caught that shit immediately. Yeah. I mean, do you agree with her? I don't know. I have mixed feelings about that. You know, it's like right. it it is a soul capturing machine. It's just more commonplace now too. Also, like I think it was different when the pictures were being printed out. Like 
like when they were being transferred into physical things, mm-hmm. you know, when the pictures, like when this was made, the pictures were still being transferred into physical things. Right. You know, and I think that just has like a different transference of energy. I might just be on some like random hoo-hoo shit. I think I think printing them, you know, like printing the printing pictures and that shit, even though we still are consuming them and we're consuming them at a higher clip, it's just like something about like transferring them to a physical form, you know, has has it. Now, do I post a lot of pictures of myself? or my family or this and that, I don't. Mm-hmm. I capture those photos and we have them. We have mm-hmm. them, you know, and I think there's power in that. Yeah. It's just like, yo, yeah, like I'm, I am I don't capture a lot of photos or share a lot of photos of my family. I will say that that shit's for the, the crew and for our family. Mm-hmm. That's an internal thing. We are taking photos of the work and the art. Right. That's what people need to be consuming. So I guess I do believe that shit. Yeah, because it's like my family and my pictures and shit are not for consumption. You know what I mean? It's like my art is for consumption. I'm very careful about that. That's a good that's a good distinction to have. Um so the episode comes to a close by the little kid saying he's the guy that repo does. Um and they beat as I quote, the baby bejesus out of Thurgood. Um, and the storybook of this whole thing, the narrator with this kid who they picked up is left in the trunk by the parole officer. So that's horrifying. Yeah, there's a lot of scary ass shit and jokes in this episode. Yeah. Um, and it just is so smooth, though. It's so well done, so well written. I would definitely recommend a rewatch of this. Would you recommend this show? 10 out of 10. 10 out of 10. Well, uh, thank you so much, Daryl, for joining me tonight. All the love to your family, to Equini, to your beautiful daughter, and uh, I hope to see you super soon. Can I get your um, socials really quick? What you want me to call you on air? Princess. Yo, shout out to the princess not princess peach and uh my socials is at ds kinsel at d-s-k-i-n-s-e-l hashtag kinsel collection kinsel land limited yes i feel like hashtag kinsel land is one too yeah sometimes i see that sometimes okay well thank you so much for joining me uh i'm princess jafar christmas is canceled Bye, babes. All right, baby. Bye. I'll talk talk to you soon. Thank you so much. Yeah. Yeah.